The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, a bill to expand access to medical assistance in dying was finally approved by the House of Commons late last week. It was on Thursday. It came after the Conservatives ended a days-long filibuster. Now, Bill C-7 passed by a vote of 212 to 107 with the support of all but four Liberals, two of whom voted against and two of whom abstained, and all Bloc Québécois and New Democrat MPs. Nearly all of the Conservative MPs voted against the bill. Fifteen supported it. One abstained. So now it's before the Senate, which has uh, one week to deal with it before a court-imposed deadline of December 18th. That is Friday. Uh, Brad Peter is a board member with Dying with Dignity Canada. He joins us this afternoon. Brad, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. All right. So um, what was it like, you know, as you sat there and and watched and, and saw what was happening in the House last week and saw the delay, the delay, the delay? What was going through your mind? Well, I mean, it's quite stressful to think that there could be another extension required on this bill. Um, It is a bit of deja vu because this is exactly what happened when medical assistance Uh and dying legislation was first introduced um, almost five years ago. Yeah, that was 2015, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, so now you, you sit and you watch and fingers crossed, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, with the, you know, in the Senate. But again, they said it could be delayed again. Give us an idea of, uh, you know, just bring us up to speed again on, on what this bill does. How does it change? How does it modify? What does it mean for Canadians? So what this bill does is addresses a couple components of the existing legislation. The main one that this is addressing is a clause in the current legislation that says in order to qualify for medical assistance in dying, your natural death has to be reasonably foreseeable. Now, we've known from the beginning that this clause was problematic and there was a court challenge against this clause uh, filed right after legislation came out uh, five years ago. And, And the reason that this wording is so problematic is because the phrase natural death reasonably foreseeable, for some people that means you're terminal, and for other people it's nonsensical because most of our natural deaths or all of our natural deaths are reasonably foreseeable to some degree. So what they've... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm going to let you finish. Yeah, so what they've done is, is they've taken basically two paths. So if your natural death is reasonably foreseeable, you have to meet or um, go through certain safeguards. If your natural death is not reasonably foreseeable, you now will possibly qualify for MAID um, as long as you meet all the other eligibility requirements. But now there's additional safeguards. Okay, um, because I, I would think that a lot of people listening right now, Brad, would think that um, if if you're looking for uh, medical assistance in dying, that yeah, that natural death would be reasonably foreseeable. I mean, I think that that's how most people would would see that. And if that is changed um, to to the other to the other side, right, that dro- dropping that near-death requirement uh, with different criteria. So what does that mean? You know, the, the, if it's not reasonably right. so, foreseeable, who, who falls in there? Like, what, what, does, what does that cover? 
Well, the, the reason that this bill was put forward, and this might help folks to understand uh, why this is being addressed, is this came out of a court case in Quebec where two plaintiffs had medical conditions um, which caused enduring suffering but wouldn't necessarily cause them to die. So okay. there's, a set, there's a group of people who had grievous and irremediable medical conditions. They were in advanced states of decline. They had incurable illnesses, diseases, or disabilities, but none of that would cause their deaths necessarily. So they were uh, forced to experience this enduring suffering, and they had previously, previously been excluded from the legislation because of uh. this reasonably foreseeable clause. Okay. All right. That clears things up, Brad. Thank you for that. I appreciate. I appreciate that. Obviously, you know this uh, inside and and outside. What could it possibly mean for those with mental illness or suffering from severe depression, Brad? It's a great question because the bill, and this is probably one of the most contentious parts of the bill, um, and possibly why we may see a delay out of the Senate, um, which is that Bill C-7 explicitly says that if mental illness is your sole underlying condition, then you do not qualify for medical assistance in dying. So they've particularly targeted individuals who have psychological suffering as the sole underlying condition and said, sorry, but you are excluded from this legislation. This was never explicitly excluded excluded in the original Supreme Court ruling, and it was never explicitly excluded in Bill C-14, which then became the existing made legislation. So this is a very contentious item. Brad, um, with uh, the possibility of this having to be extended again, um, would would it would we have to start all over again? Or I, I believe that they can be recalled and deal with it. This doesn't mean if by chance it doesn't get done by Friday, it doesn't mean it's 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 a done deal. They can they can they can recall. They can come back and look at it. We don't have to start from 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 you know zero again, do we? No, I don't think we have to start from scratch, but the the risk there is that if this um, court deadline is not met, then what we have then is two different regimes kind of in Canada where in Quebec, where the ruling came down, people currently are seeking court exemptions to access medical aid and dying. Um, So then we would kind of have two regimes happening in Canada. It would be a lot better if we had one overarching um, platform that all Canadians had equal access to. Interesting. Okay, Brad Peter with Dying with Dignity Canada joining me this afternoon. I, I've wondered this, um, Brad, and I think that uh, probably a number of, of people, I think that, can, first off, can you make an advance request um, for medical assistance in, in dying? And number two, what about what about people with, with dementia? Um, you know, does it have to be before they're too far gone? Like, how does that work? Yeah, the advance request piece is probably the reason people care about this legislation the most. It's what I hear about the most. And when you poll Canadians, that's what they're concerned about is making an advance request. Um, So what this bill does is addresses it to some degree. So um, what this bill says is that if you've already been assessed 
been approved for medical assistance in dying and you've chosen a date to receive medical assistance in dying, that you can waive that final consent requirement, meaning if you have a condition that would cause you to lose capacity in that short window between when you're assessed and approved and plan to receive made, that you can still receive made if you've lost that ability to provide mm-hmm. final consent. So it's a step towards an advance request, but it's important to know that in Canada, um, you still cannot make a request in advance, say in a personal directive or an advanced care plan. Um, oh. So that is still excluded. Oh, interesting. Okay. Huh. Yeah, yeah I, so, I thought that that might be where that would fall into, you know, uh, uh, one of those one of those directives, actually. Yeah, so, no, currently you're not able to make the request in advance because, of course, an advanced care plan or a personal directive is something that um, kicks into action in the event that you lose capacity. And yeah. the legislation as it's currently written requires you to have that capacity at the moment of the procedure. So we're getting a step closer with this assessed and approved um, for people who've already been assessed and approved, but we're not quite there with being able to make a request in an advanced care plan. Brad, does this um, bill, does uh, C7 change any of the guidelines around age? No, it it doesn't address age. So currently, uh, one of the eligibility requirements is that you are at least 18 years of age. Um, The government knew that age was going to be an issue moving forward when legislation was first introduced. So um, a couple of years ago, they had the Council of Canadian Academies uh, do a study on the idea of mature minors. So, um, which generally refers to, you know, between 12 and 18. Um, This legislation does not address that, but there is a scheduled review of made legislation um, taking place next year. And that's probably something that the government will be looking at, which is why is it okay for an 18-year-old to access made, but a 17-year-old with the same uh, exact conditions is excluded from that. Mm. So I think that's going to be an important thing to keep an eye on moving forward. Brad, how have you seen uh, Canadians' perspectives, opinions on uh, medically-assisted dying change over the past even five years, 10 years? You know, I think... It's changed um, in many ways. It's changed uh, a huge amount. Um, And in some ways, we're still not good at talking about dying. Um, So so there still is a long way to go in terms of um, bringing death and dying into conversations with loved ones. Um, Of course, regarding medical assistance and dying, I think there's you know, that stigma that maybe existed prior to legislation has really been reduced. But at the end of the day, you know, we're talking about very difficult things. These are very intimate conversations and very difficult decisions for Canadians. And I I think organizations like ours, you know, are really trying to advance that conversation so, um, so that it's not such a scary thing to talk about. 
So how how do we uh, how do we if we need to have one of those conversations? You have a loved one, or you're thinking about whatever, maybe putting a, a directive in place. How do you start having that conversation? I mean, because oftentimes it seems to me, Brad, it's like I don't know. Maybe your parents, your aging parents, will sit you down or say, "We need to have a conversation," and all of a sudden it's like you're back when you were a kid, and you're like, "Uh oh, you know, something's coming down here," and it's either going to be well, usually when they use that kind of language, oh, this isn't going to be good. So how, how, what would be your, you know, the, the, your suggestions and in, in starting to have those conversations and, 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 and opening the doors to having those, making those conversations more comfortable? Yeah, I, I think there are some resources that um, folks can tap into through our organization. Uh, we do have regular national webinars about death and dying, um, about advanced care planning. Um, you know, especially in a time of COVID, I think it's really important that we have these types of conversations. Um, so I would encourage people to um, take a look on our website and there are some, some resources as well, including advanced care plans. So the templates that you would use to write your own plan and the conversations that come with that. Um, so there are resources out there and maybe watching a webinar together might be the first step <laughs> to uh, having that conversation. Yeah, they're important conversations and they're needed conversations. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of families uh, don't have those conversations. And then when they're on the doorstep or when something happens, they don't know what to do or how to do it or what, you know, you want to you want to talk about wishes. You want to talk about how those end days look. And and I think that's really, really I think that's really important. So um, they're, they're tough conversations they are not easy, but they're important. And sometimes they're really just centered in an individual's values, and maybe it doesn't so much have to be about um, what specific healthcare treatments do you want at the end of life, but what are your main values in life? And you know, if you're someone's secondary decision maker in an advanced care plan, I think the, you're going to make the best decisions for that person if you really have a sense of what they value out of life. Agreed. Uh, Brad, Peter, always good to speak with you. I appreciate our conversations every time. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be watching with what happens with uh, C7 over the coming week. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. You betcha. Brad Peter, Dying with Dignity Canada. Uh, Sarah texts in this afternoon and said, you know, medically assisted dying when needed offers dignity. I remember how much my mom suffered near the end of her life. Uh, selfishly told us not to wake her up the next day on her last day without going into too many details at the moment. We listened to her at home as she fell into a hypoglycemic coma. Uh, finally gave in that day and assured death. Uh, I, 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 I believe an assisted death would have been more humane. She says the cancer had just taken over. That's from Sarah. And Sarah, I appreciate you sharing your story. But yeah, those conversations, are, they're tough ones. And um, if you've had them, you, you know what I'm you know what I'm talking about and oftentimes you know we we don't want to think about it we don't want to think about what happens if or what we will do if or when but the fact is <laughs> it, it does happen to every single one of us in every single one of our families and um one of the things that I have learned over the past number of years is that when someone has put those, requests in place or have outlined what they want 
whether it's pre-planning things or making sure that those personal directives are in place, it really, really does clear the water, clear the air when it comes to those days, those overwhelming emotional tense moments um, in, in, in hospital or in hospice, what, whatever it is. And so, yeah. Anyway, I'm just going to leave it there.